I thank you that uh, for a lack of fear of man actually just says, says the truth and speaks the truth in love. I thank mm-hmm. you for a love for the body of Christ, her love for your name, yes, Lord God. And Holy Spirit, just come and fill her now. I just pray every word she preaches, you just anoint it, Father God, that no one walks out of this room having not been impacted in some way by the things that she shares and by the presence of your Holy Spirit in your precious, glorious name. Amen. Amen. There we go. Thank you. All right. I can yeah, rip go, this yes, off Yes, yes totally, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Hallelujah. Any excuse to get my, to take off my mask, right? I'll preach, I'll preach. <laughs> um, hold on, let me just... This is a little podium. I have too many gadgets. I'm going to ask for grace today because um, I'm pushing through. I've been sick, and right now I feel like I need to punch two nails. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Two nails into my sinuses. To let out all the junk. Amen. So that's why I'm not hugging anyone today. Normally I'm a hugger. So if I haven't hugged you today, don't take it personally. I'm not hugging anybody. (laughs) So hallelujah. Thank you for welcoming me. I realize, I think, um, I leave in two weeks, so my three months has gone by really quickly, way too quickly. I blinked and it's gone. Uh, The Lord put something really heavy on my heart, and I'm going to speak a little bit about spiritual warfare. You know, when you speak about spiritual warfare, a lot of people will say, oh man, she's going to talk about deliverance. Yeah. (laughs) Well... I'm actually not going to talk about deliverance. I'm going to talk about the importance of protecting relationship. We, it's so important to protect relationship in family, in your marriage, in the community, in the workplace. And so I'm going to give you some practical things to utilize in all of those places to protect relationship. Relationship is one of the first areas that Satan will try to attack specifically families and marriage because he hates unity he hates it when we agree together he hates it when we can unify the body of christ so one of our greatest weapons of warfare is unity and agreement amen Amen. and so that's what i really would like to speak about today um and it also fits in with your um I don't know, your tagline, I, I, I think you have a, another name for it, but about family, community, right? Church. Um, so this is one of the most practical aspects of what you can do to protect relationships. And again, I'm going to say protect relationships in marriage, family, community, work, and church. These are all areas we need to protect relationships. Amen? So the first place I'm going to go, I'm going to go pretty quickly because I'm trying to jam a lot in a very short period of time. So I only get like, what, 30 minutes? Can I go longer? No. <laughs> all right, take here. I would like to turn to... Let's go to Colossians first. 
this is a practical tool, and I'm told everywhere I go, whenever I speak or teach or preach on this, that it's a very different angle. So if we can turn to Colossians 3. <clears throat> Say amen when you're there. Colossians 3, and we'll start with uh, verse 12, please. I don't hear any amens. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I like participation. <laughs> it gives great feedback to the one up here. We need as much encouragement as possible when we're teaching or preaching from the pulpit. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Otherwise, I could get really insecure and think you hate me. All right, but I won't. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and loved, catch this word, clothe yourselves with, now count these things, right? Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So there's five items, note that. Be tolerant of one another and forgive, so that's number six, forgive each other if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also should forgive. Now, this is the most important portion, verse 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. So that's the seventh item, which ties everything together in unity. Now, the revelation that Holy Spirit gave me about the scripture is this. It's tied very closely to Ephesians 5. I'm sorry, not 5, Ephesians 6, which is the, the scriptures about what? The spiritual armor, right? We're to put upon ourselves the helmet of salvation, right? The breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, and the sword, which is the word of God. Amen. So there are seven pieces of spiritual armor. Well, when this scripture was written, can I? I like to walk around, but I don't want to pull it out of its jacket. How much room do I have? Okay, that's it. <laughs> I'm tied to a leash. <laughs> so, when this scripture was written in that time, the armor, like the breastplate, it was iron, and it was held on by these le thick leather straps. If you did not have your undergarments on, it chafed you, it caused blisters, it hurt to wear your armor. Ah, this is the revelation God gave me about Colossians, right? Because underneath our spiritual armor, we need to put on our undergarments. Is this a new teaching for anybody that hasn't heard me teach this already? Yeah, so we must put upon ourselves our undergarments. This is how we protect our relationships. This is how we protect our relationships in the workplace, in the community, in church, and in family and inside of marriage, is remembering and being intentional about putting upon ourselves the undergarments. So what were those undergarments? Oh, I gotta put my glasses back on, hang on. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, 
Let me talk about meekness for a minute. I used to think meekness was a weak gift or a weak thing. And I'm going to tell you it is not. It's probably one of the strongest things that we can walk in. I ask God to grace gift me with meekness because that's not something I naturally come by because of the level of boldness that I walk in. But meekness is really power under control. So that's why I ask God to give that to me. Amen? So meekness and patience. So those are five. And then it says forgive. So forgiveness is number six. But above all is love because that ties all of those things together. So do you have your undergarments on underneath your spiritual armor? Here's the thing. If you do not intentionally put those on, you're going to take off your breastplate of righteousness. You're going to take off your helmet of salvation. You know, a lot of people say, well, what is the helmet of salvation for anyway? Hmm. Let me give you a quick, quick, quick thing on that. So the enemy's favorite place is your mind, his favorite playground. He, he actually has many people believing that he can read your thoughts. He cannot read your thoughts. However, he can put thoughts in your minds. And if he can get you to believe that it's your thought, then his battle is won. If he can get you to believe just the little, tiniest little bit of doubt, his battle is won. If he can get you to believe the little, tiniest bit of doubt of a lie, ooh, like, oh, I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me. Those are lies that the enemy wants us to believe, to keep us separated, to keep us divided from our community, from our relationships. Hmm? This is one of the practical things that you can do. Be intentional about putting on yourself the undergarments and then put on your spiritual armor because then your spiritual armor will not bother you. What happens, I see this all the time, people will be, whether they're ministers or they're pastors, they've taken off their spiritual armor because it irritates them. And they wonder why they have so much attack. I forget. I'm a human being. I forget. And I'm under spiritual attack because, oh no, I took off my spiritual armor because I forgot to put on my undergarments. Our undergarments shape us. I mean, just imagine. So this might be too much information for some people. But imagine if you didn't put on your underpants, right? And you put on your jeans. Yeah. <laughs> well, for women, it would be aggravating. Maybe not for you men. <laughs> but maybe it would. I don't know. I'm not a man. <laughs> I just know we need to put upon ourselves our undergarments. Amen? Okay. So this is the first area. I'm going to fly through this. Now, the next area... Come on, work. Thank you. The next area, I would like us to go to Ephesians, and we're going to go to chapter 5, and we'll start with verse 22. Now, this t 
teaching, I actually do a whole workshop. I did a whole workshop in Tanzania. That's where I recently came back from. I did a whole workshop on Ephesians 5.33. It was three days. So I'm condensing an awful lot in our short period of time. Um, so here's the thing about Ephesians 5.33. Most people, yes, this is admonishment for married people. However, I have also discovered that these same principles work in your other relationships, like with your parents or with your children or with people in the workplace or in church. You can utilize these very, this very same godly principle in other relationships. The, one of the greatest places to utilize this in is, of course, marriage and family. So let me go back to this. Let's start with Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as to the Lord. Ah. Let's stop there just for a minute because I want to speak about this before we get into the whole submit and love thing. It's love and respect is Ephesians 5.33. But before we go there, I think it's really important to, for me, again, I'll use my own life. Um, when I was married, when Rob was alive, some of you knew Rob uh, before he killed himself. Uh, in our first year of marriage, we went through a lot of difficulties. There's difficulties anyway inside of one's first year of marriage. But ours was a little more difficult because in our first year of marriage, he tried to kill himself within the first three months. So I actually did his job for him because I had, he had agreed to be put into, um, I don't know what they call it now. Um, well, basically it was to get him back on track. So he was inside this place for six months. So I actually did his job. I pretended I was his assistant. I didn't use my married name. I used one of my, my maiden, one of my maiden names, a maiden name of Sweetie. And none of his work people knew who I was at that point. And I did his job as far as I answered all the emails. Um, I actually went around and did presentations as his assistant, not as his wife. Um, and I was being codependent. Mm codependent by doing these and not telling the truth. I told people I was his assistant, not his wife. So that I did not want him to lose his job because here he was, he had committed, tried to commit suicide. He was trying to get back on the right track. But God, right? So in the midst of that, he got better. He was able to come back and take over his job. And I went around with him for three months still posing as his assistant, and then he finally told everybody I was actually his wife, <laughs> that I did his job, right? Um, so as he got better, I wanted to hand back the reins, like the household items, not just his job. And in some of those areas, he did not want to take back those things. He felt I should keep them. So I had all this resentment inside of me. And I decided, it, it was right around our first year anniversary because it was between Christmas and New Year's. We got married in, on New Year's. I had packed up the car. I had my suitcases. 
I even had my little doggy crate with my little four pound dog in the car. His name is Little Bit. And he was, he was in the car waiting for me. And I was doing some last minute things. I had emailed a bunch of people and told people I was going on sabbatical. I didn't tell them what I was going on sabbatical for. I think they might have tried to talk me out of it if I said, I'm going on sabbatical for my marriage. Like, no, they wouldn't have liked that. So I just told people I was going on sabbatical. My car was completely packed. Rob was out of the house doing work, and I'm ready to go. And I'm literally picking up my car keys, and as I pick up those car keys, it's like someone knocked me behind the back of my knees, and I fell on my knees. And I heard, this is one of the few times I've heard the audible voice of God, I heard God say to me, Kimberly, do you want your marriage healed? And I'm on my knees now, so he put me on my knees. And I said, well, of course I want my marriage to heal. But he's got to do blah, 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 right? He, 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 right? And God says, no. If you want your marriage healed, you need to focus on your part. You need to take responsibility for your part. Don't be concerned about your husband. Be concerned about the position of your own heart. I remember going, but God, I'm a spiritual one. I'm the one that preaches in church. I'm the one that's pastor. He's not a pastor. Listen to yourself. So he told me, oh dear. Hang on, I need to find the right file because this is missing number nine and number nine is really important. I apologize. Um, let me just open that up. Well, hopefully I'll remember it. I can't find it. Okay. There was nine areas God told me I needed to repent in for my marriage to be healed. The first one was not being a godly wife. And I went, huh, I'm godly. I'm spiritual. He says, no, you're not being submitted or surrendered to your husband because you do not walk in respect. He has to earn my respect. God said, no. <laughs> Go read the Bible, Kimberly. Like, what? <laughs> Ephesians 5.33. So I open it up. And he says, men are commanded to love their wives. But you know what? Wives are commanded to respect their husbands. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I'll echo that for you. <laughs> right? And I was not doing this. So that was the first area. The second one was for being rebellious because I wasn't doing those things, so that's rebellion, right? The third was for wanting my own way. Hmm, anyone want that around here? The fourth was for believing that Rob did not care about who we were in Christ. Hmm. The fifth was for believing that Rob did not care about me. The sixth was for my not lifting Rob up. I didn't lift him up publicly. I didn't lift him up inside of our home. I didn't lift him up as a man of God. I didn't lift him up as my best friend. I didn't lift him up as my husband. 
The seventh area was desiring to be someone else other than myself. I didn't want to be Mrs. Rob Wallace. I wanted to be Kimberly Sweeney. <laughs> That's my maiden name. And the num number eight was being double-minded. Because I said I was a Christian. I said I was walking out those principles, but I really wasn't. It, I was just mouthing it. And how many of us just mouth the things that we say that we think we need to do, but we don't actually do it? Well, I was the queen of that at that moment. And the number nine, oh, how can I forget? Thank you, Lord. Number nine was for wanting to be have my own identity, my own independence. Well, when two people get married, the two become one flesh. The husband doesn't have his own identity anymore. The wife doesn't have her own identity anymore because you become one flesh. You become another new identity together. But I wanted my own separate identity because I believed a subtle lie from the enemy because I did not put on my undergarments before putting on my spiritual warfare. That's how those subtle lies, these lies came into my life because I was not putting on those undergarments. Anybody else there? Anybody else experiencing some of those areas? Now, I'm going to remind you, this does not hold true to only marriage relationships. But this is what Paul was writing about. This was about marriage relationships. So let's go back. Come on. Technology is great when it works. Uh-huh. Let's go back. Here we go. So I started with uh, Ephesians 5, and I started with 22. And so let's move on, start with 23. For the husband is the head of his wife, as Messiah is the head of the church. It is he who is the savior of the body. Hmm. Okay. 24. Now remember, the husband is head of his wife, right? 24. Indeed, just as the church is submissive to the Messiah, so wives must be submissive to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives as the Messiah loved the church and gave himself for it, so that he might make it holy by cleansing it, washing it with water and word, and might present the church to himself in all its glory without spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind, but holy and without fault. 28. In the same way, husbands must love their wives as they love their own bodies. A man who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own body, but he nourishes and tenderly cares for it as the Messiah does the church. For we are parts of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. That is why a man will leave his father and a mother be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a great secret, but I'm talking about the Messiah and the church. But each individual man among you must love his wife as himself, and may the wife respect her husband. Amen? 
Now I'm going to take you to another unique. I'm just going to make sure this is silent. Hold on here. Because it's, there we go. Okay, it's now on silent. So you heard this scripture. And we're going to actually do something really fun with this in a minute. But let's first, we're hopping around the Bible today. Hop, hop, hop. No, sorry. <laughs> let's go to Genesis chapter 3. This is the chapter of the Adamic sin. Everybody knows about that. But let's drop down in chapter 3 to verse 16. I'm going to focus on verse 16 and 17. Now, I got this a long time ago when I was preaching on Keijo Kenji uh, radio station up in uh, Wudu, South Sudan. <laughs> and I was preaching on marriage at the time. And the Lord had given me this. He said, you know, think about this. Right here, this is the scripture, verse 16, where God cursed women, right? He told the woman, I will greatly increase the pain of your labor during childbirth. It will be painful for you to bear children since you're now. Okay, so everybody knows that portion of the scripture, but how many of us forget this part? Since your trust is turning towards your husband, he will dominate you. That means that scripture, we were cursed as women. We were cursed to bear children and the pain of it, and we were cursed to have a head over us, which was our husband. Ooh. Now, this is what men were cursed with. He told the man, because you've listened to what your wife said and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. You'll eat from it through pain-filled labor for the rest of your life. So he cursed man to have to toil the soil. We as women, our identity comes from how we love and how we're loved. That's the plain fact about women in general. Now, there's always the exception. But in general, women, our identity comes from how we're loved and how we love others. For men, their identity has nothing to do with love. This is why Paul has to adjure men three times in Ephesians to love their wives. Because men were, were cursed to toil the soil. So their identity, because of the curse, comes from what they do. Mm. Think about that, guys. A lot of your identity, unless you are this amazing, mature man of God, which there are many here. <laughs> but even then, sometimes, my man, my man, my husband, my late husband, sounds weird to say my man because he's dead, but my late husband, he was an amazing man of God. He was a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, Kenny G saxophone player. If you ever heard him play the saxophone, it was amazing. He could usher in the presence of God. He knew the scriptures better than anybody that I knew. 
I could say, I could quote something and he'd tell me exactly where to find it in the Bible. That's not my gift. I can quote it, but I couldn't tell you where to find it in the Bible. He can, could. Here he was, this amazing man of God. Well, when in 2007, that was when the, uh, was it 07? Yeah, 07 was when the real estate crash started happening in California. And then 08 was when the stock market crash happened. Well, so we lost five of our, or sorry, four of our five properties. And we lost half of everything that we had in stocks. And suddenly, what came out of my husband was, no one will pay attention to me now because I'm a nobody because I have nothing. Who was that? That was a lie from the pits of hell. But he believed that lie. He believed this little lie. And instead of answering the daily invitation of redemption that God gives us, because every day, thank God, every day is a new day. Every single day is a new day. If you screw up yesterday, thank God today is a new day because he says, I have forgiven you. Amen? Hallelujah? Mm. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new chance to say yes to that new level of redemption. We don't have to keep saying repeating over and over and over, I need to get saved. No, your salvation comes once. But the daily working of that salvation is the daily work. Which means God can redeem different areas in our lives if we say yes to the invitation. But my husband, because he started believing one lie, then he believed another and another and another and another till he couldn't say no to the enemy anymore. So here we go. I was using that as an example though. His identity came from what he had and what he did instead of who Christ was in him. So let's go back to, excuse me. Um, let's go back to, Ephesians. And we're back at five. And let's see, what did I read up to? Um, no, I read, did I read all the scriptures? To 33? Thank you, sorry. I'm thinking I had to read it again. But I will reread 33. But each individual man among you must love his wife as he loves himself, and may the wife respect her husband. Now, here's the revelation. This is the teaching that Emerson Egrick does. And um, I actually, with another team, we took our whole church, the Rock of Rosa, through this teaching that's called Love and Respect. And see, there's a crazy cycle that happens between men and women, whether you're married or whether it's a mother and a son or a father and a daughter or a sister and a brother or someone in the workplace. There's a crazy cycle that happens because a woman might say one thing and a man will hear it a different way because there wasn't any respect in it. 
or a man can say one thing, but a woman will hear it a different way because there wasn't love in it. And so it creates this crazy cycle. So what I'd like to do, I need two chairs up here. Someone could bring two chairs. And um, I actually asked both Patrick and Lynette if they would be my volunteers. They don't know what I'm going to do, by the way. They just said yes. Nope, 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 I won't be facing them. So I just want you to give them a big clap offering because they said yes. They didn't know what they're saying yes to. Again, I'm doing spiritual warfare. I'm teaching you spiritual warfare today. And I'm going to give you some practical examples. So, yes, if you could sit facing each other. Now, here's the thing. We cannot read another person's mind. Hmm? And so, let's take the guesswork out of this. Oh, do you want to put my mask on? We're going to actually practice Ephesians 5.33. Now, I'm going to actually have two other people that don't know I'm going to call them up. We're going to have two other people that aren't married, but maybe they work together or they come to church together. Okay? So, but for you. Um, do you have a pet name that you call your wife? Sweetheart, darling, baby. What I'd like you to do, because you're the, you're the man. Now, here's the thing about, about marriage. All right? The husband is priest and prophet of the home. This is a key aspect of marriage. Now, God talks about this in Genesis. Remember, we just went there. And then he then talks about it, not God, but Paul talks about it in Ephesians, right? So, now a couple things. When you're a priest and prophet of your home, it means that yes, you get to make the final decision, but because you're Christ-like, you're going to include your wife in that process. You're not going to lord over her, right? Because Jesus doesn't lord over the church, does he? No, he doesn't. He does everything. He speaks his truth in love, amen? Yeah, so what I'm going to ask you to do, you're, so you're, I'm gonna have you go first. Oh, I forgot, the, the other part with husbands. So when you make the final decision, I'm speaking to all you husbands as well as future husbands, right? Because some of you are future husbands. When you make the final decision, here's the thing for us women. The final consequence to the decision that the man makes is his. It's no longer ours. Mm. Because he is priest and prophet of the home. Now, it doesn't mean that we can go pointing the finger. What it means is that when a major decision needs to be made, or maybe not so major, that as a wife, we respect our husbands and we say, you know, would you like some of my input? Not just say, this is the way it should be done. Because when we should, S-H-O-U-L-D on people, we're shaming them. I don't like to use the word should. I don't want to shame anyone. Conviction is a different story, but 
shame and condemnation belongs outside of any relationship if you want it to be healthy. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we don't should on anyone. But you can suggest or you can say, this is my idea, this is my thought, would you like to entertain it? Right, so anyway, I'm just giving examples, but let's go back to the love and respect thing. So practicing love and respect, I'd like you to take your wife's hands, look deeply in her eyes, call her by her sweetheart now, and say, what one specific thing could I do for you this week that would help to make you feel well loved? <laughs> So now you can, one specific thing. Don't be general, be specific. Because remember, they can't read our minds. Love? Is that something you could do? Yes. Okay. So now, you're going to be held accountable before the church to do this. So everybody follow up and ask Lynette if he did his one thing. Okay? But now, now it's now it's his turn. So I want you to ask Patrick, like whatever your pet name is for him, what one specific thing could I do for you this week that would help you feel well respected by me? Oh. <laughs> you can ask me that next week. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So do you feel that's something you can do? Okay, so now, again, we've done this in front of everybody. So now, give them a hand. So now, all right, now I want to model this, how this can be used in the workplace, not just inside of marriage and the family. So I would like to see here, who can I volunteer here? <laughs> um, does anybody work with somebody else here? Either, like, do you volunteer here at the church or do you work somewhere um, and you're coming to church together? You two do? No. Who, who does? Nelson's telling on people. Who? <laughs> I, I can't tell who you're pointing at. Who are you pointing at, Nelson? Matt and who else works with Matt? All right, Adina, come up here. Wait a minute, which one is, who's? In the red, okay. All right, now this is not, this has nothing to do with marriage, this has to do with the work relationship, okay? Now, we're going to apply this a little bit different because they're not married to each other. However, they're in a work relationship, right? You work together. Thank you for being my volunteer. I will be forever indebted. <laughs> now, think about this. Um, are we familiar with the five love languages? So, it's acts of service, right? Words of affirmation, quality time, touch, and gifts. So those are five love languages. Now, just keeping that in mind, so I'm curious, what is, what is your love language, you know? So here's a, a hint. Usually, the love, our own love language is the one we give in most of the time. Like for me, I'm always giving people gifts. That's my love language, it's gifts. I could care less about words of affirmation, right? But gifts, yeah. <laughs> Or quality time. That's my other love language, is quality time. So, what do you give in? Think about that. Quality time, um, what are love languages? Okay, so keep that in mind. What are your love languages? Okay, so this is good. You both have words of affirmation, so this will make it easier. Ah. <laughs> so, now keeping in mind, that women, right, their, their tank is filled up by love. Now, you don't have to tell her you love her because she's your, your, your workmate, right? Men's tank is filled up by respect. But you, we can still utilize this in the workplace, okay? So, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to ask her, keeping in mind that she likes words of affirmation, and, and so do you, right? Um, how could you help her with your job to make it easier this week? Just one specific, specific is the key word, what one specific thing could you do to encourage her or help her to do her job this week? How do you want me to help you? 
your work this week? That was it. What's one specific thing? Uh -huh. How can I help you finish up? You're grading. Anyhow, this week. Ah. Okay. Can you think about that? How can he help you do that? Um. I think I'll be thinking about it in relation to like the information. Like um, when I come up with um, you know, like suggestions of how a grading and learning plan should be, I would uh, like appreciate your comments, you know, that input and how it what it looks like, how it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, also after seeing that part, you appreciate it. Is that something you think you can do? Sure. Amen. Okay. Now, I want you to ask him. I'm remembering respect, right? Ask him what one specific thing could you do this week that would help him with his job? No. What one specific thing can I do for you this week that will help you with your job? Okay. It would be nice to have uh, have you to check with me on how, how the progress is going. Without yeah. me looking for you. It would be nice that I get to find out. So what is okay. So if I heard you correctly, you're asking Anita to check with you, to come to you so you don't have to look for her, to see how, the pro how her uh, progress is going. Can you do that? Okay, very good. Now, ca can you see how we can use this in the workplace? Okay, thank you very much. Hallelujah. All right, now I've got one more volunteer group. So I want either um, a father and a child or a mother and a child. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being guinea pigs. Now, keeping in mind, you've just watched, you've heard about love languages and you've heard about love and respect. Now, since, since this is your daughter, Chantal is your daughter, you can actually ask her, what one specific thing can I do for you this week that would make you feel well loved in our relationship as father and daughter? What's one thing I can do for you this week to make you well up in our relationship with Father and Daughter? Oh, remember, you can use your love languages. So, um, is your love language quality time, words of affirmation, gifts? Gifts. And that would make you feel well loved. Okay. So, did everyone hear after her exam? I'm assuming that you, you've done well, right? Um, after your exam, you want to have KFC? Did I hear that correct? <laughs> Is this something you can do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
in Christ is the new world. You don't have to. You don't have to pay. Okay. Now, here's the reverse step. I want you to ask your father, what one specific thing could I do for you this week that would make you feel well respected in our relationship of daughter and father? What manipulation and control because if suddenly we're manipulating and controlling now we're practicing Christian witchcraft we don't want to do that do we uh -uh. no so do you have the, some good ideas about how this works yeah yeah okay do we need one more example no okay Sometimes I'll do a, do a fourth example, but we, I don't think we need to. Um, sometimes I'll do um, with siblings, if there's siblings in the room, because that's always a good one. Because siblings can practice this with each other. If, even if they're two girls, you know, they can ask, how, what could I do for you that would help you feel well-loved? And they can ask that back and forth to each other. Or the reverse, if, if it's sister, brother, brother, sister. Or brother to brother, and be how can I respect you? Yeah. Because this is how God created us. And when we understand that we hear through different filters because of love or because of respect, it helps us to embrace the other person and to encourage them. So I encourage people to utilize Ephesians 5.33 with the five love languages because then that helps make your job a little bit easier. Oh, your love language is words of affirmation. Oh, your love language is gifts. Well, you know, if someone's love language is gifts, it doesn't mean that you have to buy them a gift. It means stop for a minute. Just stop. 
and think of something you can share with them. That's a gift. My husband actually <laughs> would find, because he said, well, I don't want to have to buy you something all the time. And I said, you don't have to. So he got creative and he'd find smooth rocks and he'd put scriptures on the bottom of them and put them in different places. And then he'd say, you know, that's my gift to you, is that scripture on that rock. And that meant a lot. I still have those rocks, by the way. That meant a lot to me. Um, I'm not a big flower person, and he knew that, because he, he thought that'd be the easiest thing, is just to bring me flowers. But I think cut flowers, for me, I, I'm not a big flower person, because I have allergies to flowers, so I just don't do them. Um, so I had suggested, but he said, well, what can I get for you that doesn't cost a lot right now? And I said, well, Get me an Almond Joy. I love Almond Joys. I love candy bars, right? Because <laughs> then when you bring home an Almond Joy, I know you've stopped and you've thought about me for half a minute, and you're bringing me something that I like. So he used to do that. I loved it. He didn't do it all the time, thank goodness, because I would have been, well, I was, if you knew me 10 years ago, I was out to you. <laughs> um, but, but God. So, Ephesians 5.33 is a practical place to practice spiritual warfare for your relationships inside of marriage, inside of family, inside of the, your community, inside of church and work. Can you see how this will help you? This is spiritual warfare because we are now not giving the enemy a legal toehold or a way to, to wiggle in there and divide you. That's his greatest weapon is to divide people after getting people to believe lies, right? So on that note, I think I will bring this to a close, but I would like to ask if there's anyone that would like specific prayer, because remember, today is a new day. Specific prayer in helping to walk out love and respect in every relationship in their life, be it marriage, be it family, be it work or church. Is there anyone that wants to proclaim that this is a new day and receive prayer for that? Right, one, anybody else? Can we? Um, we don't have keyboards, that's okay. Um, and anyone else? Come on up. Come stand here. I'll pray for you down here. Um, I'd like to invite, is there a prayer team that can help me pray? If there's anybody on the prayer team. Okay, anyone else like prayer? Okay. 